the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Over the last two weeks, we've been celebrating fatherhood as part of our series centered on Father's Day. In the first episode, Pastor Steve Dennis talked with us about God the Father. And last week, we spoke with Alan Carter, the author of the book Letters from a Father, about fathers being intentional in their relationship with their children. In last week's episode, I said that fathers have an amazing, God-given opportunity to influence future generations well beyond what can be conceived and quantified. But in some ways, it can be quantified. Children raised in a home without a father figure are four times more likely to end up in poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems. They're more likely to go to prison. They're more likely to commit crime. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol and more likely to face abuse and neglect. They are two times more likely to suffer from obesity and two times more likely to drop out of school. And girls are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Fathers in the home are beneficial for mothers as well. With a father involved in the home mothers are more likely to receive prenatal care, less likely to smoke during pregnancy, healthier at birth, and lower risk of postpartum stress and depression also results, not to mention a lower risk of stress-related parenting issues. So with all of this said, it makes complete sense that men are under attack in our society, forces which strive to divide isolate, manipulate, and control us in their progressive efforts to remake society target men in order to destroy family as the building block of God's kingdom. They demonize masculinity, 
They promote radical feminism. They push their perverse educational agenda in our schools. And they attempt to usurp the role of fathers in their homes. At the same time, and this might be hard to hear, men abscond their roles as fathers. We give up our seat at the dinner table, sometimes by working too much, sometimes because we're more focused on our cell phones than our families, sometimes because our behavior is not worthy of respect, and sometimes because we're disrespected in the home by the women who are supposed to be our helpful partners. Christy and I have often said on this show that in solving a problem, the first step is to ask, what is real? Well, friends, that's what's real. The question is, what are we going to do about it? And to help us with that question, we have a very special guest on the show today. Tom Stevens is a psychotherapist specializing in working with children and their families. He has a private practice near Cypress, Texas, where he helps families to thrive in the most challenging circumstances. Tom also specializes in helping high-level athletes striving to get to the next level, whether college or professional. He is EMDR trained, and he supports their mental recovery from challenging injuries as they strive to reach their peak potential. Tom also works with people struggling with past or current trauma, and it's an honor to have him on the show. Tom, welcome. Thank you so much, Richard. It is great to be here. I've missed you, and I can't wait to talk. Friends, as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo. Hello, everyone, and Tom, we can't wait for you to talk, so we're excited oh, we've missed you. Good to... Yes, me too. Friends, please pray with us. Heavenly Father, we pray today for our families and for our children. We pray for those who are listening to the show, men and women, striving on the battlefield of this world. Dear Lord, we lift up every father to you and we ask to better understand how to help each other to guide our children. We pray that you have your way in this conversation, allowing us to speak your truth, your cautions, and your encouragements. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tom, tell us a little bit about your practice, please, for background. Yes, Richard. I'm a a psychotherapist, licensed professional counselor, and a registered play therapist specializing working with children and their families. But over the past 25 years, it has been a great learning curve because I've gone from working with children to working with parents to working with couples to working with addiction and anxiety and depression and all the way into an amazing God moment, Richard, at Christmas time. Over the Christmas break, my son, who's graduating college, came home and said, Dad, I've got a great idea. Why don't you react to these video, these music videos on YouTube, and you can be a therapist and, and talk about the mental health aspect of music. And I said, great, son, let's have a little fun with this, knowing that only 40 people follow me or whatever. Long story short, Six months later, we have 150,000 subscribers on YouTube. We've been contacted and reached out to by different artists. We started a podcast that is actually going to be able to interview artists about their lyrics and the mental health aspect, because I'm a huge mental health guy. And, and so I always tell people, keep dreaming and keep trying to do what you can to give back into the world. And this has done it. And just like talking with you and being able to share that through tragedy and struggle of being a father or being a husband, 
that it's not easy sometimes. We can all learn something and get better and affect future generations. Mm-hmm. God bless you. That is yeah. fantastic. 150,000 people is huge. I just Amazing. Think, I think yeah. about the opportunity <laughs> you have with that audience to Look, speak. Sometimes I feel a little bit like Jesus, Christy. <laughs> um, I've been hanging with the vagrants and the, the people from everywhere because I've listened to rap music I never thought I'd listen to, but I've connected with people and I've gotten to learn about people. And that's the way we impact change. So you're so right. Mm. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Tom, I said in the intro that you are EMDR trained. Please tell us what that's about. Yes, EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So it's a it's a treatment modality. It's really the most well-researched treatment in the mental health field all the way back to the 80s when they worked with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in people who had been overseas at war. And basically, it pairs bilateral stimulation of the brain, tapping on both sides of the brain like we do when we sleep with REM sleep. And pair that with a, a trauma or an experience that was really rough to go through. And that desensitizes the brain to the trauma. It makes things less impactful. The triggers get less and less so we can go on without carrying the baggage from the past. So it's a great way to be able to take We work with addiction, depression, anxiety, stress, or any kind of major trauma. And even minor ones that, that have taken place over time, like longstanding abuse that, that has occurred. And it helps people not be tied down to those past traumas the rest of their life, affecting relationships and their how they feel about themselves. Wow. Yeah, wow. Powerful. So amazing how uh, humans work, how the human machine works, yeah. how the human heart works, and the brain. And um, it brings to mind the idea, which I think is relevant to this show, You've heard people say we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and we all search around like orphans, uh, do lots of different things, often just searching for something to fill that hole, and only God can fill it. And I'm, uh, my contention is we have the same thing for our earthly father, and we all need a father figure to guide us, and as this world gets harder, I think... I, I wonder, do you see the ramifications of an absent father in uh, people's lives just being terribly destructive? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I've said it over and over again. In my 25 years of doing work as a therapist, uh, there has been a meltdown and destruction of the family unit. It is gone. It is completely redefined. And many, many times today, young children who are now teenagers or young adults have grown up without a father at all. And so I I do believe in mentoring. I've said this before. I think we can have a father figure without it actually being our biological father. And we can have people who guide and steer us and show us direction, but also believe in us. And that's what a father does is not beat us down, but actually helps lift us up and support us, but be very direct and honest with us. And lastly, giving us an example, because without it, we're left wandering. And that's what's happening to me in the world today. People are wandering. They have been guided nowhere. And so they just lean on whatever their own brain thinks is best for them. And that's usually a self-centered, self-focused, you know, I'm going to get what I can for me. And so fathers learn not to be available because Mothers will just compensate, and I could go on and on with that, because women, many times mothers will be there, they will show up, they will take care of it, and men, like you said, will abscond it and disappear. That's heartbreaking. 
Uh, there's yeah. nothing like a father's love. I mentioned last week talking about, uh, or the week before talking about John Eldridge's book, Fathered by God, where he says the first need of a child is to know that they're the apple of their father's eye. And it's that mm-hmm. knowledge being filled up with that confidence and that feeling of uh, belonging and like that allows them to go on to the next stage of life, which is being a cowboy when they start rehearsing some of the um, achieving, caring, outwardly focused behaviors, which lead them then to be a warrior in society and to stand up for Mm -hmm. uh, important things. So it's heartbreaking to think about. And I, I, I would imagine that these thoughts and these conclusions that we have are supported by what you see in your practice. Absolutely. And I think a lot of men don't want to come into therapy. So most of them don't come see me, or if they do, they don't stay very long because I think it makes them feel, number one, weaker, less than. And like you said, I think they they go straight to the point of we're supposed to be strong and not have problems and not share feelings. And and it, they, get, they can tend to get very cold and distant. And when they come in and get help and look at themselves and say, where have I been hurt in my life? Where have I been wounded or you know, neglected where I needed something, whether it's from a father figure or believing in themselves, once they look at that, then they can give compassion and they can give care. Most fathers do love their children, and most fathers, when they're married, they do love their wives that I see, but they don't know how to communicate that, and they don't know how to be available and present and intentional in their life and in their family. And so they go to the practical, and they become fixers, and they become providers, and they become people who show up for games or they coach, but they don't actually build relationship, number one, with their wife, but number especially with their children, so the children grow up believing in themselves. Well, that's heartbreaking because we got enough of self yeah. going on in this society. Friends, stay with us. We're going to talk more with Tom when we come back. The music in my head is playing 100% of the time. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Mendelo. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelo's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of this show and our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield, and we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public, nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission and this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Tom Stevens, licensed psychotherapist in the Cyprus area who has a large and varied practice. And we're talking with Tom about fatherhood as part of our fatherhood series. And as we were going to break... Tom said fathers don't build 
relationships. And uh, obviously, as troubling as it is, it's more important to delve into it than to have judgment about it. And so we've often said on the show, you can't give away what you don't have. And so, Tom, I wonder, why don't fathers build relationships? Could it be because we haven't learned it? Or uh, what is your perspective? Very true. Like so many people, especially I'll just talk young men, they haven't had the mentorship, the training, the leadership, the relationship with a father. And, you know, borrowing off of what you said with John Eldridge, because I love his work, you know, the idea when, when children grow up, you know, young boys, they, they want to know whether they're capable, whether they can conquer, you know, whether they can be that person that overcomes and can be that leader. And that's what they get from their dads. And girls want to know how worthy they are, how valuable they are. Am I beautiful inside and out? And and that only, I'm telling you, fathers have such a huge impact. I preach it over and over again because I said before, mothers will show up, mothers will be there. Most of the time, they're the ones left holding the bag. And if I can share a very quick story that epitomizes this, I sat in a hotel years ago with my family waiting for our room to be ready in the lobby. I saw a family come in with a, a mom who was pulling a luggage, uh, luggage suitcase. She had a child holding onto her skirt, and she was carrying legitimately, y'all, a 40-pack case of water, bottled water, in the other hand. And they went to the elevator, and the dad was standing next to her. You know what he had in his arms? A baby that was probably a year old he was holding in one arm. The dad stood there with the mom and the child, and the mom looked left and right, and she reached her leg up, y'all, and touched the elevator button to get the elevator to open. I cringed when I saw this because she was carrying everything, and the dad just had a legit baby in his one arm, and everything else was free, no luggage, nothing. And it's what I feel like. I turned to Jill, and I said, that's what I feel like our world's like today that we need dads who show up because the reason they don't is because a lot of times they haven't been taught or haven't been held accountable. And what will help that do is it will model to their children that they matter and that this is who they can be also. And this is who they deserve to have as a leader and a model. Yeah, that's, um, that's at once heartbreaking and illustrative because (laughs) heartbreaking, obviously because of what's not happening and illustrative because uh, if men have been degraded by popular culture and radical feminism, then it's not surprising that some men don't think they're worthy of more. And I uh, said uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, nobody can take your dignity unless you give it to them. She said it in a different way. She said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your permission. And so mm-hmm. fathers... What I hope you're hearing is not judgment or accusation. Uh, we have a problem, and problems have solutions, and we aren't what people tell us we are. We are important. Our investment in our family is of primary concern. It's the best thing we can do for our children. There's nothing more important that we can do. And so I hope that we're all sitting here saying There's a lot of things I would have liked to have done differently, whether it's me with grown-up kids or maybe it's you and you've got younger kids and you're still in a place where you can intervene and you can be what they need because 
Pastor Steve, I think, said it two weeks ago. He said uh, father should be a boy's first hero and a girl's first love. And so I wonder, what are we doing that's more important than that? Uh, what are you seeing, Tom? Well, that is the most important thing. But so many times, like you said, I think I, the, the way I've learned to be the best father I can be is through men, Richard. And I think a lot of times men don't have close men relationships. They don't have close guidance or mentoring from other men. And so they just decide to be the father they are based on their past and their history, many times, which isn't great, or what they think they're supposed to be by being strong and tough and not showing sensitivity. We've got to show compassion to children. Men have to learn how to build relationship with children and let them know that they're worth it that they're capable, that they deserve it. And the family, like the stability of a family that has completely broken down makes us fragmented, right? So people eat dinners in separate rooms. People, you know, run from one place to the other. That We're not coming together as a family. We sat at dinner last night in my house with my two boys who are going to be 21 and 18 this summer. And it was so fun to have us laughing and talking over a homemade meal, right, that is so uncommon. And when we fragment and when we break apart, because fathers don't hold a family together, they really are somebody who can pull a family together. We become, what is that thing of the chain and the link? Like uh, the weakest link, you have a really strong chain, but if something's weak in it, it's going to break and fall apart. Yeah, it's so sad. And then we're sending our children out unprepared for the world. You know, it's not my job to be your friend. I'm here to set you up for success in a very difficult world. And we send our children out unprepared. There's more collateral damage from that. There's another generation. Mm-hmm. And we know the Bible says that the sins of the father will be visited uh, on the second, uh, third, and fourth generation. And so... Well, and you even said it in a past show, Richard, about the military. Something about, I think it was the Marine Corps, something about a unit. And, you know, if one piece is weak, I forget how you, you could say it better than me, but that was really telling to me of how you get people to rise to a level rather than just doing this individual fend for yourself. Yeah, well, you know, uh, just before the show, I forget exactly what it was in regard to Christy and I were talking. I think I was talking about a a Dr. King quote, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, who I think he's a hero for me. And I was saying, as we look at the society, as we look at what's going on in the world, Instead of looking to people who have solved problems well, been prophetic in their uh, ways, uh, walked a good walk, instead of looking, for example, to the teaching of Dr. King to help us navigate the present uh, situation in this country, we look to celebrities, and we look to various artists, and sports heroes, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, they may be good at sports and they might be good at acting, but there's nothing that indicates that they navigate life well. So why are they our role models? And I think the answer is because we don't have other role models. And that uh, begs the question, uh, why? And I think part of the answer is that people don't step up. Part of the answer is that we don't think ourselves worthy of being a role model. And part of the answer is as soon as you step up in this society and this world as a role model, 
the media will do its best to tear you down because they don't want families to succeed. They don't want strong, cohesive families because the children of strong, cohesive families can't be as easily manipulated. And Mm -hmm. so it's absolutely heartbreaking. But uh, it says, men, if that's the problem, then attack it. Engage. We had... uh, Alan Carter on the show last week, and he wrote this book, Letters from a Father, and the preface to his book was written by the actual man on whom the Keanu Reeves uh, movie Hardball is based. And this guy basically um, is largely responsible for growing Little League baseball in Chicago, in this area of Chicago. And his concept for uh, Little League baseball was that a coach would show up for 16 games or eight games and 32 practices, and these kids would see a man who shows up. Mm-hmm. And so, number one, yeah. it's about showing up. Number two, it's about putting your cell phone down and thinking of yourself as having uh, something to give away. And then, number three, engaging. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, we've we've lowered the bar so much on men, on men and father dads. Uh, it's just there isn't a bar at this point. And so I talk to so many dads who will tell me about their weekend with their children, and you know I was at the park the whole morning with them, and then we went and we we ate at this place. But if I get a video of that, I see them on their phone, I see them distracted, phone calls, looking at things, talking to other people, and not engaging with their children at all. So. We, we Men don't show up classically. I know I'm generalizing here, but I'm doing that for effect to say, let's just all look in the mirror and see. And if you're doing it, great. Keep that up because I know plenty of men who are super engaged in building great relationships. But we've lowered the bar enough to where men don't have to be expected to show up. And it's almost amazing when they do, right? It's like, wow, an engaged dad. I can't believe I'm watching somebody who's actually d- dancing around and playing on the floor. Yeah. Or going out to eat like I do with my boys every Tuesday night to eat pizza still because I want them to know I want to be in their lives. So, yeah. I love that. I told this story, and I'm telling on myself when I tell this story. Uh, my father was very much uh, into thinking of himself as a provider, and he was a beautiful provider, and he worked incredibly hard. And so my first understanding of being a father was as a provider And one Christmas, I wanted to buy my two-year-old kid the electric Harley-Davidson from Target. I thought it'd be the coolest thing. Came in a giant box. My wife said, no, we can't afford it. I bought it anyway. Charged it up the night before, wrapped it uh, with two rolls of wrapping paper, put it by the tree. My son comes down the next morning. He sees it. I help him open the box, and he jumps on it and drives right under the dining room table and pinches his hand between the the grip and the dining room table, and he never, ever wants to get on that uh, motorcycle again. But he and I spent the rest of the day playing in the box. We put the box Mm. on the floor, and we made a fort. And then when we were tired of that, we lay in the box, and we watched TV from the box. And it was one of the greatest days ever. So it's just about being present and spending time And it's such an amazing opportunity with such rewards. Stay with us, friends. We're going to talk about how we can do that when we come back with Tom Stevens.
They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine, and now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mindelo, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Can we find a friend so faithful? Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Tom Stevens about fatherhood. And in the first segment, we talked a little bit about uh, just the damage uh, done when fathers aren't engaged. And in the second segment, we talked about why fathers are so important. And in this segment, we're going to focus on how we begin to repair the damage, because none of us is perfect, and we can all always do better. At the end of the second segment, I told a story about how my idea of fatherhood was more related to providing in monetary terms. And after buying my son an expensive Christmas gift, which he didn't really like, he and I just spent the rest of the day in the box. And I've often told that story when I fly with guys who still have young kids and I say what you think they want and what they actually want are not necessarily the same and it's often much simpler than we think. So for my son, it was playing in a box all day. And I guess if I had it to do all over, I'd go to Home Depot, get a big wardrobe box for $10 and save myself all the money on the (laughs) electric Harley Davidson from... I loved it. My dad called me a sidekick. And so I was just kind of always hanging out, watching him, doing whatever he wanted, you know, whatever he was doing, I was interested in. I love that. That's what makes you such an awesome wingman (laughs) is because you're just fun to hang out with. Tom, how do we begin to repair this damage? How do we tell a very busy father 
that uh, some of the things that he can do and how important he is. Because, you know, society sends some very mixed and derisive messages to fathers. Yeah, I think uh, to be aware, number one, especially from a woman's perspective, but just societally, that uh, men, as tough as they kind of appear or act in life, are really very vulnerable and can be wounded very easily. I'm a man. I know that. I get my feelings hurt. I get my ego hurt all the time. And I have to be aware of that so that it doesn't stop me from being a man and a father I need to be. So I think that for somebody to tell a man something's up, I think it's very hard because if their mindset is, I'm doing great, I'm fine, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, it's hard to get through to that. But the one way you can do it, especially a wife or any other person that's a friend of theirs, is to point out what you notice. Don't point out what they're doing wrong. You have to be very very careful not to say a criticism or what they're not doing okay. You've got to point out what you notice, what you see, especially in children and the way they're reacting or responding or the way they're just disinterested or not feeling as connected to them. And also the way that you feel watching them as fathers and what you want for them. I want you to have a connected relationship. I want you to be the best dad that you can be. And I get worried sometimes with how much work has, has taken up and how much other, how many other things you have going on that that sometimes it can be hard to balance everything. So that comes, y'all, from a mental health professional's viewpoint. So getting help, y'all know this. I say it all the time. Get good professional counsel because they can actually give you the words to say to a man. Or if a, a father or a man comes into me, I can talk them through this in a way that's much easier that will, will deflate the ego and not make them feel so wounded. But most of the time, the reason they get shut down is because they feel like they're being criticized or they're being judged for who they are, and they think they're doing a really fine job. Well, uh, you said a lot. Uh, Two things really (laughs) jump out at me. Friends, uh, what defines a warrior, in my mind, having spent 37 and a half years in and out of the Marine Corps, what defines a warrior is awareness and discipline. And I say when I sit down in my seat in my uh, airplane— so I'm an airline captain, and I fly with first officers. And I may have said this before. I say to the first officers right when I sit down, I say, we're probably flying together for the first time. They don't necessarily know me. And I say to them, I have no attachment to being right. I am very attached, however, to getting it right. So if you see me doing something wrong, Please let me know. If you're not sure, just ask a question. Should we be doing that? Is that the right altitude? And I will uh, fix it. And so what I would ask fathers to hear in that is it's not about being right. It's about getting it right. This is the most important thing we are going to do on the planet other than love our children's mother. And so from a guy who didn't do well, who was gone all the time, whether deployed or just mentally and emotionally, uh, it's not about being right. It's not about criticism. It's just about being open to whatever it takes to make the very best relationship with people who are going to live on after you for generations. And it's massive and it's huge and it's blessed by God. So we have to step into that role. It takes me back to Yeah, something. you want to be able to... Well, go ahead, Christy. It takes me back to something I said on an earlier show, and love your opinion on this, um, Tom. Uh, 
we often say with children, notice or comment on their behavior, um, discipline mm-hmm. their behavior, don't bl- discipline the child. And so I'm hearing kind of yeah. the same thing in, in people, in adults. We, we, we're aware, we're noticing the behavior, but we're not making it a criticism or a judgment to the person they are. Is that, is that kind of right thinking, Tom? Exactly. Like you have to be, and when you communicate with anybody else in life, especially somebody you're personally connected to, and you do it from a loving and caring perspective, but, but not with a finger pointed and saying, I'm noticing these things. I've recognized these things. I've been feeling these things. It's very different than saying you've been, you always, you won't, and pointing the finger. So yes, you want to be able to always recognize the behavior is different than the actual person. And you're a dad, and and I know you can be a very loving dad, and you can be very present and available, and I know how you feel about your children. I've seen that in the way that you've lived before, and I want them to be able to get the very best of you uh, that you can offer. And when you do that, they hear it much better than before. You know, I ask my children, of course, still, like I said, going to be 21 and 18 this summer. I ask them about every six months, give me your grade. What's my score? And I open my mind up to saying, okay, go ahead and throw the darts at me. What am I doing well and what do I need to improve? And if you ask them, they'll tell you. Like, I can tell my dad, honestly, I feel like you've been really busy lately and not spending much time with me. Or I feel like you've really tried, you know, to be here for us or to show up for different things. They'll be honest with the good and the bad, but I do that and I've done it their whole life because I want them to always know their voice matters. And I want me to always know I'm no bigger than they are. Like my ego cannot get in the way of their opinion of me. It seems like it creates a very safe place. Yes, perfect. Yep. You know, uh, interesting analog is cockpit resource management or crew resource management. Um, in the seventies, at the airlines, they realized that eighty percent of all accidents were related to human factors. So, work around crew resource management became very uh, important, and we've learned a lot in the couple decades since. And one of the things we do at my airline is we have uh, these things we call cuss words. And the words begin with C and then U and then S. So they're not actually swear words. <laughs> it's, and, this is a Christian radio uh, station. <laughs> what it is, is it's a way to uh, bring up concerns and to escalate those concerns according to their relevance. So, for example, the lowest level is to say... I'm concerned. We are all trained at my airline to hear that word concerned. And if anybody on the crew, whether the first officer or the captain says, I'm concerned, that's the C in cuss word, it should stop everyone in their tracks. And then the appropriate response is to say, what are you concerned about? And if Mm -hmm. the person doesn't hear the concern word and if the situation persists, then we would escalate and you'd say, I'm uncomfortable. And it's just an I statement. So, men, uh, really important to just make I statements, uh, ladies, and supporting the men, helping them. Uh, you, you don't say, you're this and you're that and you're the next word. You just uh, say, I, I'm concerned, I'm uncomfortable, uh, I'm worried that uh, mm-hmm. the kid feels this way or this happened or this might be the takeaway. Does that make sense to you, Tom? Absolutely. And when you do that, if you surround yourself with strong, healthy Christian men that can hold you accountable, but also love you and not judge you, 
you could start to learn that. But also, I say in my office, you know, in the mental health field, you can learn how to say, I can say that I can have a couple in my office and the wife will get so insulted or the husband gets so insulted back and forth at each other. And I can stop and turn and say, what if he would have said it this way? And they're like, oh, my gosh, that would be amazing because I heard that. Because we have to learn that, that we didn't come with, you know, there wasn't a manual for this. And we have to learn how to communicate with each other. And I messages tell how you feel and what your perspective is. They don't have you pointing the finger at other people. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. What I would offer, friends, is that the stakes are so high, it's not about being right. It's a very right. difficult world out there. We are assaulted by the media, by uh you know, all of these corporations and uh, materialism, and we've got to work, and the price of gas is higher, so we got to work harder, and all of these things. I get it. Uh, that's the reality of the situation. But more important is our relationship with our children. They're counting on us to first fill up their buckets, let them know that they're the apple of their father's eye, your son's first hero, your daughter's first love, and then from there to gently uh, just lead them into the cowboy phase and then the warrior phase where they go and do wonderful things in the kingdom of God. And friends, I'm not saying this because I got it right. I've said before I was more intentional with my Marines at work than I was with my family at home. They got what was left and I regret that. And what we're really talking about here at its highest level is leadership. A man leading his family, encouraging his people, telling them uh, how to do better, not focusing on what they're not doing, but focusing on the things they're doing well and the opportunities that we all have to improve. I hope you'll stay with us for the fourth segment to talk with Tom Stevens about how to go forward. Stay with us. That is not my own. I confess all this stress is now caused me to Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are talking about fatherhood, and we have been for the whole month of June. And truthfully, there's nothing more important that we could talk about. As we know, we aren't fully realized in our potential until we know God, and our children aren't fully realized in their potential and their joy until they know their father. And I don't care what society says. I don't care what progressives say. The father is incredibly important for the well-being of a child as they go forth in this uh, world. 
Um, and Tom has said some very important things as we have uh, moved through the segments. In the first segments, he talked about the meltdown and destruction of the family unit. And children don't have an example to follow. And consequently, they're kind of sort of inventing things as they go along. And uh, the cost of those mistakes is uh, the mistakes that will inevitably result uh, are higher and higher. And we've said that the bar has been lowered for fathers. And sometimes even that women overcompensate and with the very best intentions. So as we think about uh, all of that, what comes to you, Christy? I'm just wondering, I can't help but wonder this, but Tom, how do women help? <laughs> so loaded question there, <laughs> because women, you know, to me, and I know I'm generalizing, but really, I've done this a long time and I've seen patterns. Women generally just compensate, figure out what to do and move on, and that demasculates or emasculates men, mm. makes them kind of just be pushed aside a little bit. And that's not done intentionally. I think that's done for survival of the family unit or survival of the children. And men typically don't step up enough to say, hey, wait a minute, I want to be a part of this. So women a lot of times can help by stepping aside and inviting the father in and being able to include them in what the basics of life with children. But I've heard women, I heard a wife in here one time say, you know, but if I have him, for instance, very basic, do the dishwasher, like do the, like just be in the kitchen with us after dinner, do the dishes and put the dishes away and stuff like that. He won't do it right. Or he doesn't know how to put it in, or he doesn't know how to make it happen. Or he, he gets all grumpy and frustrated with it. I say, you know what, you got to lower expectations because the first step is whether or not he's here. The second step is whether or not he's actively doing something. And the third step is whether or not he can connect and, and appreciate what he's doing. But if you don't include him and if you don't make him a part of your life there, he is going to stay distant and removed. That's what a lot of men do. So they can help by including them in and telling them, again, feeling-based, like you said before, Christy, what uh, what it means to have them there and how important and valuable it is to have them in your life. That um, shame, that, that, that biting criticism, that prioritizing the task over the big-picture result, the big picture is... For children to see uh, a husband and a wife uh, enjoying each other and supporting each other, not whether or not the dishwasher gets stacked right. The big picture mm-hmm. is to see children, see their parents sharing the workload, uh, not who did what to whom. I have to recall. I mean, that's one of the things I remember from growing up is if I if I myself stacked the dishwasher wrong, I would get in trouble. Okay, it's not about the dishwasher. <laughs> But I think it's something that you have to you have to let go of. You have to prioritize what's more important than than specifically how you may like. Who says that that's the right way to do the dishwasher? Yeah, um, I'm getting the sense I may not be doing the dishwasher. No, you do it perfectly. But we'll have to talk about that after the show. (laughs) So in the Marines, we have a thing. Any mission, you have a commander's intent, and it's the why of the mission take that bridge in order to stop the enemy crossing the river. Whatever comes after in order to is the commander's intent. And so, friends, I hope what you're hearing in these situations is participate in order to, and then we're going to get to the big commander's intent, to be engaged, to be with. We talked in one of the first episodes about sharing space. 
my uh, niece who teaches uh, autistic uh, children talks about the concept of just sharing space and how important that is to be non-judgmental involved. And Tom, you've told us before about playing with your kid and then just noticing everything that they're doing. And don't stop talking. And verbalizing it. A hard exercise. Good, Christy. <laughs> and so, and also, yeah, I'll borrow your in order too, Richard. In order to have children that grow up as strong, healthy, confident, emotionally secure adults. Yeah, absolutely. And so, let's not think it's about the dishwasher, men. Uh, if the little guy wants to help you sweep the garage, it's not whether or not the garage gets swept. <laughs> it's that he has a job, and I got to tell you, I was horrible at that. I remember building something in the backyard and all my little guy wanted to do was help me. And I kept telling him, no, 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 because I thought it was more important that this be dug right. And here he is digging with a shovel about the size of a <laughs> tablespoon. Like, what damage is he going to yeah. do? And so commander's intent, uh, Tom, what is the commander's intent to send our fathers forward to... I would say, okay, the mission is engage with your children in order to... Well, like we were just talking about, in order to create healthy, emotionally secure adults in your children. Remember this. A father, the message from a father to a son, or the model, I want to say the life example, is you want to live the example of the husband and father you want your son to be. Like, you need to be the person that you'd want him to be as a husband with his wife and as a father to his children. And the father's example to his daughter is that you want to be the very man that you want your daughter to marry. And I can't tell you how many men would want their daughter to marry the most amazing man, but they're not living the most amazing life. And so a father needs to be that example to his daughter of the husband she should pick and to the son of the husband he can be. And if you keep that in, in your brain day after day, you can't help but get this right. Fantastic. Friends, that's the truth. You heard it from Tom Stevens. And as you know, that brings us to our moment of truth. <laughs> and our moment of truth today comes from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Fathers, in order to start our children off on the way they should go, we have to be present. I have tremendous regrets about the amount of time I was gone from home as an airline pilot and marine officer. I worked too much to buy too much stuff, and I was mobilized three times for deployment to Iraq and Afghanistan. And at the same time, when I was home, I was not always present. So here are two lessons I've learned from my regrets. First, whoever you are, Wherever you've been, whatever your last mistake, it's what you do next that counts. Second, the best gift that we give to our families as men is our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is the well from which everything of value is drawn to include all that we hope to be and to include who he shapes us to be. And then we have something to give away. So you've heard many times, you can't give away what you don't have. And for this reason, our relationship with God comes first. And it's not about religion. And it's not about an hour in church on Sunday because we can't fake it. 
The best gift that we give our families is a real understanding of God's love by our living example. And like Tom said, we show our daughters a man they should marry. We show our sons a man they should be. And we partner with our wives to start our children off on the way they should go. That's the best gift we could give them. And speaking of gifts, that brings us to our quote of the day, which has two parts. The first part is a quote from Rob Roy, a Scottish revolutionary. And he said, Honor is the gift a man gives to himself. The second part is the definition of the word, which I think has tremendous relevance in this conversation. And that word is reverence. Reverence means to treat something with profound awe and respect. As men, as husbands, and as fathers, I contend that we should treat ourselves and the opportunity that we have as the spiritual heads of our households with reverence. And that is the gift we give to ourselves. So, to wrap up this series, let me say that reformation in this nation begins with men. It doesn't begin with politics. It doesn't begin with the economy. It begins with men standing against the tide of progressive degradation supported by women who want the best for us, our partners. It begins with men acting like men. First, in reverence for God. Second, in reverence for our responsibility. And third, in reverence for our families. For those of you who know me, you'll be shocked that I've resolved our entire series on fatherhood into six words. Mm. Six words. Wow. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> those six words are these. Reverence for God and servant leadership. That's it. Reverence for God and servant leadership. That's what we've talked about in this series, Honoring Fathers and the Incredible Responsibility that We Have. Reverence for God and servant leadership. And that is courageous Christianity. So, Tom, would you add anything to help us wrap up our series on fatherhood? Well, I think to recognize that example we talked about, that you are the example for the future of your children. And we are an example. I'm an example as a man to other people that I see at a restaurant or a church or on the ball field or wherever. So if you can pay attention to that, and always look at you doing something to model, you'll be in a lot better shape rather than being in a taking mentality in a taking society. So pay attention to yourself. Look in the mirror and see whether you're setting an example or if you're just putting the blinders on and not and just doing what you want to do. Amen. I love that example. Tom, thanks so much for being with us today. Richard, Friends. thanks for having me. Always great to be here. Thank you. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word, at kkht.com, or on CourageousChristianity.today, or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.